welcome to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money, because whether or not we like it, money matters. I'm your host, Maya Fisher-French, and my guest is financial planner Terence Tobin. A tax-free savings account and a retirement annuity or pension provident fund together could make a wonderful retirement plan and provide you an income that could be tax-free in retirement if structured correctly. Our conversation today is all about how to reduce your tax and grow your wealth. So welcome to Terence, who is with Rich Ideas, a fee-based financial planning practice. So Terence, welcome. But before we kick off, could you just explain what a fee-based practice does and how, how that works? Maya, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, how a fee-based practice works is that when a client would like financial planning and advice, often they meet with someone who then is compelled to sell them a product. Often the need for financial planning advice comes second because that person is remunerated by selling a product. Mm -hmm. Where we have set ourselves up differently is to work with us, we charge you a fee. It's either per hour or project-based, depending on what you're looking to achieve. And we use what you have within your portfolio with the providers you already may use of, make use of, or we can make recommendations with companies that we have affiliations to, but we are completely independent and not influenced by any service providers. As you know, Terence, because you do follow me on social media, so, so you know I'm a huge fan of the fee-based model because to me, if I go to a doctor, I pay that doctor for their professional advice. If the doctor was being remunerated by the amount of medicine they gave me, I may not trust the amount of medicine or the types of medicine they're giving me. You know, so I think that we, we do need to start having this differentiation between, you know, conf or conflict of interest. Um, and I mean, certainly there's a lot of, of financial planners out there who, who, who do own commission, but we should be seeing more and more of the models where it's independent, that I can sit there and say, you know what, right now for you, paying off your mortgage, is the best thing you can be doing and not feel like, well, how am I going to pay my bond because I haven't told my client <laughs> to, to, to take out a product. So I think, yeah. So I think that that's, that's uh, yeah, certainly a great, a great practice and a way forward and not, and challenging, not as easy to do, but I think a lot more ethical. So well done for fighting. Thank, you. Fight. <laughs> Thank you very much. So on the feed, uh, on your advice side or your, your uh, fee-based advice side, it's financial year end. And I'm sure this is a time that you're contacting a lot of your clients because, of course, this is a very optimal time. And what kind of general recommendations are you, you giving to them at the moment? For those that have other streams of income, so not only a salary, for instance, but they might have rental properties, they're receiving interest, for instance, from investments and, and portfolios like that, is to maximize the wonderful tax deductions that SARS allows us within the tax framework. Because there are some wonderful benefits available to us. It's not all that SARS takes and never gives. So making use of, for instance, topping up your retirement savings, whether that's through your company's pension or provident fund, or if you have your own retirement annuity, then you can put in additional contributions. There are limits of, involved with that. But those would then be what we call a tax deduction. So it helps to lower your taxable income, um, lowers your tax rate effectively, and therefore you might qualify for a refund later in the year from SARS. So that's a very big one to look out for. Um, and then another nice one to make sure that you max out is your tax-free savings account or tax-free investment account. I think this is 
probably the best product that's come out in recent years. And there your limit is 36,000 Rand per person per year. Please be careful, it's not per tax-free account, it's per person. Yeah, so I think those are those are the two big ones that everyone's punting. I'm getting so many press releases right now, like top up, top up, top up. Um, and I, it is an interesting one. So I mean, I've got my, my retirement annuity, and I because I work for myself, I contribute every month. But then at the, at now, this time of year, I look and I think, do I have a little bit of cash flow? Can I actually use that to also set some of the tax that I'm going to pay? But the point that you made is that for a lot of people, they get it back as a rebate. So because they're salaried employees, so they may get it back as a rebate. I don't. It simply lowers the tax that I pay. How many people do you think when they get that rebate invested? And how many people think it's a gift to go and spend money? <laughs> I think many see it as a major bonus. Um, and the real magic actually happens Maya, if they are dedicated, if they go and take that refund that they get back from SARS, 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever the number is, put that back into your retirement savings. I mean, it's free money in inverted commas. Um, and now it's tax deductible for next year. And you just get a deduction on a deduction and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and it's a wonderful additional compounding effect. Uh, so it's highly recommended that we take those refunds and rather reinvest them. And also, I just want to also go into a little bit of nuance on this, because with the, the RAs, obviously you spoke about caps, and there are caps to your time and contribution. So I get this quite a lot, and I get it quite a lot, funny enough, from government employee pension fund members who say, I've got this GPF, should I take out an RA in addition to it, or should I be topping up my tax-free savings accounts? And of course, there is this tax limit of 27.5% of your income going into a retirement product. But let's be honest, if we were all saving 27.5% of our income, there wouldn't be a retirement problem or crisis in this country. No. So, so what do you tell your clients who have already a pension fund with a company? Do you say to them, focus on the RA or focus on the, the tax-free savings account now in, in February? Oh, and now we're trying to do a one-size-fits-all. Mm -hmm. So... I think if you've already contributing to a retirement fund with your employer or GPF, firstly, let's see how much you are contributing because many people go and pick the minimum. So they'll take a 5% contribution rate, which ladies and gents, 5% is not going to be sufficient to replace your income. Um, but I see significant benefit in having a tax-free savings account, but leaving that for 20, 30, 40 years let it do its thing. The real magic takes time. Obviously, watch out for the uh, contribution limits. As we said, 36 grand a year. And at the moment, half a million in your lifetime. So personally, I max out my tax-free first. And then I go back and uh, top up my retirement savings. But I do put into it on a monthly basis. Mm. So it's to look at, there's no one product is better than the other. They both have a place. And I think in retirement planning, a tax-free savings account and a retirement annuity or pension provident fund together could make a wonderful retirement plan and provide you an income that could be tax-free in retirement if structured correctly. Well, that's, you see, that's the beauty of the tax-free savings account because I'm a studio Terrence, one of the biggest mistakes, or not mistakes, no, let me say misunderstandings that I come across when somebody retires is that their retirement income is taxable. This is like a shock to people. They're saying, and my mother, I must tell you, is one of them. She says to me, but I worked my whole life, paid tax, and now I must pay tax when I retire because she's in other countries, Maya. They give the pensioners money, you know. Yeah, we have to keep paying tax. She gets very upset. And this is it. You know, you have your retirement, you know, to your company pension fund. 
you convert it into an income in retirement through a living annuity or a life annuity, that income is now income. Yes, the tax tables change slightly after 65, but it's income and you're taxed on it. And this is the beauty of the tax-free savings account because that, yes, you don't get the tax deduction up front, but obviously on retirement, you receive all of that tax-free. So give me an idea. Like if I come to you and I said, listen, I've got both. I've got my RA. I've got my tax-free savings account. How do I structure this? I'm now 60 years old. Let's say 65. No one can retire at 60. How can I put these two together to really maximize my after-tax income? We need to know what income you would require. Uh, and like you said, when you retire from a retirement product, it goes into a living annuity or a life annuity, uh, both with their own pros and cons. I would recommend we take out the least possible amount out of the compulsory products, those annuity-based products. So we can try and keep you either at below the tax threshold, or if we're just touching it, that's all right. And then the rest we take out of your tax-free savings account. What's nice about that is that income, as you've said now in your hands from a tax-free savings account is tax-free. You also then, should you need capital in retirement, you've now got access to it. And there's this magic rule of thumb number, this 4% rule that's often thrown around, that if we draw out less than 4% of our income from a living annuity product, for instance, that money should last us virtually forever. So as long as we can keep drawing from our tax-free, um, and there's many numbers that we've done, that that could last you 15 to 20 years in retirement. Now you might need to draw slightly more out of your living annuity, but you're now in your 80s, tax rates are better, rebates are better, um, and you've delayed that capital drawdown, so providing you longevity for income, and hopefully still giving you a quality living standard whilst retired. And I mean, that's, that's you know, if you've done everything right. And sadly, Terence, I doubt you come across a lot of clients who've done, you've maximized all of these products. So I think that's part of what this podcast is about. It's, you know what, guys, it's coming up to the 28th of February, maximize these products, use them. Yes, you may have to postpone the the, the spending spree or the, <laughs> something uh, to, to, to do it. But really, I mean, when you listen to this, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful to get to 65 and be told, no problem, you've got that investment, we'll sort out that, then you've got this one, it's all beautiful with a big bow on it. For most people, it's like, ow, <laughs> and you have to say, sorry, I'm sure you have to say, sorry, you're going to be working for the rest of your life. <laughs> Sometimes we do, it, it's tough, you know, or, or people's income needs are higher than what their capital provision is. So, you know, they have to drive. But a big one, Maya, as well, and I say to my clients, is if you can't max out, don't stress. It's not going to be the end of the world. So it just means it might take you longer to reach the caps allowed. Or as you've said, maybe retirement's not 65, it's now 68. Um, but as much as you possibly can budget during the year, do so, so that it uh, makes it easier from your cash flow perspective. But especially like yourself, where you're self-employed, is contribute what you can afford during the year. And then maybe twice a year, you can see what you've earned, maybe what you forecast to earn, and do little top-ups during the year uh, to smooth out that big bump that you might have to do in February. Actually, I want to also raise that point, um, Terence, just on the difference between, you know, obviously I'm in an investment-linked RA, so I have flexibility. I can ramp it up. I can cut it back. If I have a bad month, um, I don't have to. I can, I can just pause my, my contribution. No penalties, nothing. Uh, whereas you get the insurance-backed ones. Um, mm. Mm, okay, so we need to we need to, we need to, to deal with the elephant in the room. Sure. <laughs> Give me so, your view. Like you've said, basically there's two types of retirement annuities. One, as you said, through an insurance provider. 
Now, I think insurance companies should do insurance. They shouldn't dabble in investments. The catch with the insurance-backed retirement annuities is there's a significant amount of fees. Uh, there's large fronting of fees to investment providers and financial advisors, and it's recouped from the investor over that period. So if you're 30 years old to age 65, you know, they potentially are going to pay out tens of thousands of rands of commission up front and fees up front, and they'll recover it from you over 35 years. That is going to hamper your returns. The other big T's and C's to that is it's a contract. You have to contribute every single month to this retirement annuity for 20, 30, 40 years. And life changes. I mean, three years ago, if we we're having this conversation, we could never have guessed what we've now lived through. That's why at Rich Ideas, and, and we love the investment linked retirement annuity. So buy your investments from investment providers. It's still a retirement annuity. Contributions are still tax deductible. Everything is the same. The rules are still the same, but you now have flexibility. You can stop your contributions, increase, decrease, reduce, add lump sums, virtually do what you wish on a month-to-month -month basis. Uh, there is no difference in returns either. It's actually going to be better in a linked uh, investment-linked retirement annuity, so from an investment provider, than a life insured provider. And we do these analyses on a weekly basis. And often the fee reduction is as much as 50%. And that an extra 1% fee reduction in your pocket over 30 years is millions of rands uh, that could be available to you in retirement. So the catch is, unfortunately, Maya, once you're in one of these life insurance RAs, to move, there will be penalty fees. Mm -hmm. But it might be better to bite the bullet today, uh, recover that over a year or 18 months, and you're better off for the rest of your investment time frame? It does depend, and you do need to look at uh, to look at it, because, I mean, whenever I run the numbers, I do sometimes find that it's actually better to stay in the retirement annuity product, the, the, the insurance product, because the penalties are so high. So I think it, it, it all depends when, and sometimes it's better just to leave that. Um, although I suppose even if you make it paid up, there's still fees. It's very complicated. No, um, it's so very it gets challenging. And although I think SARS introduced it, they upped that limit of, uh, or National Treasury upped that limit, I think it's now 15,000 Rand. If it's less than 15,000 Rand, you can take it out um, without, yeah. Yeah, without any, any penalties and you can always transfer it. So it's, it's a difficult one, but definitely get advice on that and make sure you, you're analyzing the, the, the costs. Because at the end of the day, you know, somebody said to me yesterday that, I, you know, people always, um, you must get it all the time. I'm like, well, you know, should I invest with XYZ uh, company? And I said to them, you know what? Returns, no one can guarantee returns. They can guarantee costs. So compare costs. Start off with that, compare costs. Now, always compare costs. Always compare costs. Now, we've spoken a little bit about retirement annuities. And by the way, I'm putting a pig in here to come back to you. You and I need to have another podcast discussion on life annuity, living annuities, what happens on retirement, because that's another whole discussion. But I want to just talk about tax-free savings accounts, because I find also a lot of misunderstanding around these. And it's primarily the bank's fault. <laughs> because The banks have said, tax-free savings account, fabulous. We'll just take our normal interest-bearing little accounts and call them tax-free savings accounts. And you get, you know, and when actually it's, that's not really where you should be putting your money. That's the only thing I don't like about the product that Treasury brought out is the name savings account, because unfortunately that's the perception. And then some companies don't even call it a tax-free savings account. They put another label on it. And the investor doesn't realize that they're now actually in a tax-free account and any withdrawals they make will now have an impact on their future contributions to that product.
I believe that a tax-free savings account should, an investor should have a time frame of 20 plus years, if possible. It's not a three-year savings account. It's definitely not a I'm going on holiday in December savings account. Uh, it's not going to work the magic that it has. So you, again, per investor, not blanket advice, but you should be in growth assets within your tax-free account. So shares, potentially property, where you're getting dividends. Now you're saving 20% dividends tax. There's capital growth, so you're going to mitigate capital gains tax one day. And any interest earned won't have interest tax on it. So you're getting all this free money, which could be a 2 3 4% better return for you. Um, and exactly what you've said, I, mean, I did a group presentation two weeks ago, and the one lady said so she's never heard of a tax rate I'm doing more than 4 or 5% a year. I said, well, with the correct structure of ETFs or unit trusts, we could be doing 8 9 10% a year. And that's, again, no guarantee. But you definitely should be outperforming inflation significantly in your tax-free account. Um, but yes, sadly, using the banks and once again, using the insurance providers, you're either not going to get a great return or you're going to get charged a significant fee. Not all tax-free savings accounts are equal. I mean, I always feel sorry for people. I, I really do, because you know, you're not an expert in everything to understand, but I suppose that's what we're here to help you do. <laughs> we navigate it for you. But this is the this is the challenge. And I know exactly what you're saying. Because okay, so you know sometimes you do the if you had a 10% per annum return, this, and they're saying 10%, yeah. no one pays 10% interest. And you're saying, we're not talking about interest. Interest is a bank account. Um, tax free savings account shouldn't be in bank accounts. So it's constantly trying to overcome that misunderstanding and for people to realize that tax-free savings accounts are generally with exchange uh, um, exchange EFTs, exchange funds, exchange, exchange traded funds, yeah, blank moment, exchange traded funds or unit trusts. So those are the companies, you're, again, your investment providers are the ones who, who offer it. Um, and, you know, I, I looked last year at my kids, I've been, I put my, my children, maybe we talk a little bit about how you can put more than 36,000 rand away every year. Really? You just put them in your kids' names, right? Each That's child can put 36, you can put 36,000 rand in each child's name as well. But, so I was looking at my son's ones from last year and you know, the markets did so well, they were up 20%, 20% that year. So when people say, where do you get these? The market, that's what it delivered. And had that 20% growth happened outside of the tax-free savings account, there'd be a massive tax bill coming up, right? Capital gains tax, dividend tax. So it's really important to, to, you know, to understand how to use this product to your benefit. Um, and I just also think, you know, I, I posted up on, on, uh, on social media a couple of weeks ago, an investment that I'd had for 20 years that I've, I've cashed in now. And you must, it actually shows the capital gains tax that I've had to pay on that. It is the most you don't the money that you think you have you don't have <laughs> that's what it is it just like <laughs> and i just thought oh if only all of this had been in a tax-free savings account and that's why i think they are wonderful and it really should drive a savings culture that we don't have because I mean, i'm in the same boat as every other investor we don't want to pay tax on money we've paid tax on that we've now invested SARS sees it differently but then they gave us this tax-free account and i really it's amazing as you've said, you can, with children and spouse, you can have more than one per household, but it's per person with a South African ID number. And then that's another hot topic, Maya, is people say, well, should it be in the kid's name or shouldn't it be in the kid's name? Um, and that I want to take back to each parent because that's a per personal decision. You know, my daughter has one. Yes, I'm using her, and, uh, her lifetime limit by contributing, 
But I really don't think when she's 21, she'd mind getting a 2 million rand investment and she can't contribute anymore. However, don't hold it against me, but I do think Treasury are going to increase those lifetime limits as people get closer to them. No one in the country is anywhere near getting to the lifetime limit, and that's what hasn't changed. Mm. But the annual limits have increased. Mm. And that's what's important is just to keep trying to fund these and, and be careful of other expensive products. And often with the label of education policies, because that maybe is another topic. Um, Sorry, right, because now that the, yeah, the other topic is education policies. My other bag there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clever marketing labels. Yeah, yeah. And and marketing labels often come with additional costs. So, yeah. But it is an interesting one, that one with the tax-free savings account, you know, and I think it is about what are you using it for? So certainly for my children's education, I didn't put that because I know I'm going to be taking that out in the shorter term. It won't have the same kind of capital gain. I, would, I hope to have a capital gains tax problem on my kids' education so that savings. I don't save them in the tax-free savings structure. I want to give them the benefit of long-term compounding um, yes. over time. So, so they do have in their own names. And I completely agree with you. The cap will move. I mean, if, you know, if, if Treasury is actually serious about this product, the cap will move. And then you're going to sit there thinking, oh, dear, I could have started this 20 oh. years ago and, and given my kid a basically a retirement fund, which is, I mean, yeah. some of the numbers you're seeing coming out of this, even if you stop contributions um, when they turn 18, you're giving them, and they never invest again, that compounding effect, you're giving them like, you're giving them a retirement fund that they can never ever do on their own. That could be massive. Yeah, absolutely massive. And a big one, I think, also, sorry, is to plan for the year ahead. So see now what your investments have done, see what they might do going forward rental increases, other incomes may, and many people due to COVID now have taken up side hustles and have other sources of income. And is that going to continue? And then how to correctly tax structure and tax plan your incomes so that you can take advantage of the many tax breaks available to you? Absolutely. So, I mean, that's a big one um, for, and I have to just tell you, I don't know how many of your clients um, have applied for home office expenses. Because, you know, you yeah. could deduct home office and SARS is not liking this at all. And they are literally asking for every last invoice and proof of expenditure. So if you're going to do it, do it properly and make sure you've got every single slip and then you can justify everything. Because personally, I think they'd be better off going and looking for people who are not declaring their income. Uh, then looking for people who've deducted a thousand rand of home expenses, I think the return on money would be greater <laughs> in terms of their time. But uh, I'm not running SARS, but if that was me. But anyway, so that's just, I don't know if you're picking that up a little bit at the moment. Oh, but I mean, I've been working from home for many, many years um, and having a virtual practice, which is wonderful to meet people throughout the country and many international clients. And exactly, I mean, I've been claiming these expenses for the last 14 years. This year, or sorry, last, last tax year, I had to submit my house plans to prove the square meterage of my dedicated office to allow for the deduction. So they are cracking down on things properly. And exactly, I think it's maybe they, they see a bigger picture than we do, but go after those that have bought sports cars on a 50 grand a year income. Then I start trying to claim five grand back on home expenses. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, that's, that's an interesting insight. I tell you that, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing it from everyone. So definitely something you need to, you need to be aware of. And, uh, but maybe just one final comment also just around managing being the tax year end is, of course, if you are looking to sell out of an investment, this is exactly what I was doing last year when I was exiting that investment. Um, it still didn't help the 40,000, but you get this, this uh, CGT 40,000 Rand exemption. So just explain how that works if you are exiting an investment. So very basically, we're allowed as, as individual taxpayers, your first 40,000 rand of capital gain is tax-free. So from that, it means that if you made 100,000 rand gain, your 40,000 rand is excluded from that. So you've now only made a 60,000 rand gain. And of that 60,000 rand, 40% is included in your taxable income and tax at your marginal tax rate. So there are a number of investors that would then towards the end of February, liquidate their portfolio so to make maximum usage of that 40,000 rand. So you'd have to work that out with your investment provider. And then the first week of March, buy it back because it resets your entry point so that that's your base cost. So when we work out how much your gain is, you're um, reducing that um, from base cost to, to capital gain, which might reduce your taxable uh, amount payable. The interesting one with recurring contributions like into an ETF is it averages out your base cost on every contribution you put in. So that's also a significant one. I think, and you've got to do it really well with a good financial planner and possibly an accountant or a real tax specialist, please don't just go and liquidate portfolios on the 28th of Feb and buy it on the 1st of March, because with that also comes transaction costs. But very important one is if you do need income, and I've got a couple of clients that do this, they need income, and we do that now towards the end of February, they sell enough that they use their capital gains exemption and their interest exemption, and then we park that aside and they've got a couple of months of income from discretionary savings. Yeah, so I think you do need to, wherever there are tax uh, exemptions, use them and understand them and know where they sit. And I mean, just going back to the tax-free savings account uh, discussion earlier about sitting with money in a bank account, you get 23,800 uh, tax, you know, tax-free interest a year anyway. So you don't, that's why I keep going back to why tax-free savings account don't make sense in a bank account because you already have that interest exemption. So it's an important one to know about. And I know I'm sure you work with that a lot um, for your retirees as well, making sure that they cash is they're benefiting from that because it actually ratchets up i think 36,000 oh, i can't remember what the number is off the top of my head 34,500 34,500 <laughs> thanks that they get um tax-free yeah well i want to say thank you so much this has been wonderful and I, I think we've already identified several more topics that we're going to definitely need to cover um during the course of this year but terence any last kind of like just to the to the people listening like one thing that you would just love to get through today not all financial advisors are there to sell you something. There are many of us out there that want to help you reach what's important to you. And much like your doctor analogy, find a fee-based advisor, pay them for an hour or two consult. Even if you're managing your portfolio really well, it's great to get the second opinion or I call it a blind spot check to see where you're at. And, and they might find opportunities for you that you didn't know existed and might be worth that thousand or two thousand rand consult fee. Uh, and I think there's great merit in that. So definitely look for, out for those. There are plenty fee-based advisors in South Africa. Uh, sadly, you have to find them. They don't all advertise, but they do exist. So make sure when you do sit with a financial advisor, uh, I think a big one is ask them how they are remunerated. 
because ultimately it's always you, the client. It's never the company that pays them. Mm. Absolutely. And I, and I must just, just add to that, that even, you know, I have a, a pretty good deep understanding about money and I manage my own money. I still have a financial planner because for the blind spot check, for those moments when I'm about to do something a little bit silly <laughs> or like I just want to test out and often technical knowledge, you know, and the laws and the rules change all the time. Um, and you want to have somebody who's, who knows what they're doing, keeps up with the laws, with the, with the um, tax changes as well. So absolutely, um, 100% back that up. And thank you so much, Terence for chatting to us today. Thank you. It was wonderful. And for those of you who've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to subscribe so that you never miss another one again.